Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. Are you ready to get into the Word of God today? Amen. I want to encourage you, and I'm excited to. <clears throat> you know, someone told me this week, they said, man, you must love preaching on Easter. Easter must be the easiest time for you to preach. And I said, on the contrary. Uh, it is not one of the easiest times to preach. It's actually one of the most difficult times to preach because this is like the only Bible story that everyone knows <laughs> or that most people know. And if you don't, let me summarize. God put on flesh and bones, skin, became a human 2,000 years ago, lived the perfect life, the life that you and I could not live, died on the cross on Good Friday two days ago, and then came back from the dead two days later, not only so that his life could be our life, but so that his victory could be our victory. And on that day, the church was born, Christianity was born, faith in Christ was born. And, uh, and most people know that story. If you don't, I'm glad I got to tell you. And, uh, and, and so it makes it hard to preach uh, because it's like watching a movie that you really like, but you've seen it three or four times already. You know, the first time you were leaning in and the second time you watched it, you were doing laundry while you watched it. And then the third time you watched it, you were on your phone in another room, but you still like hearing it in the background. And you're not even really paying attention because there's no tension. There's no tension in the story because you know how it ends. And wherever, wherever there is no tension, there is no attention. And so, and so it's hard to, to preach on Easter because, you know, there's never a sermon in which this doesn't end with Jesus coming out of this room. <laughs> and if you've ever heard a sermon like, get out of that church right now. And so... So what I need to do today, if you would allow me, is I want to reframe Easter for you in a way that I believe you might not have never heard it uh, before. I want to reframe it. Uh, first off, I think many people think of Easter as a celebration, and it's so much more than that. When I turned 30 uh, six years ago, my wife wanted to celebrate, so we went to my favorite steak place, and uh, it was Ruth Chris, in case you're wondering. And uh, yeah, but we only go during magical dining. If you're an Orlando native, you know, you know. You know, you know, we only go then because, you know, you pass it on roll like that. So we got the discount steak and I uh, loved it and enjoyed it. And when we got in the car, she said, your, your present's not done yet. I said, what do you mean? And then she proceeded, she handed me a blindfold. I said, your wife hands you a blindfold on your birthday? You say, yes, please. I said, she said, you need to blindfold yourself. I said, I like where this is going. <laughs> blindfold on. Put the blindfold on. It's a true story. I put the blindfold on, and then the car started driving. And I'm, I'm like kind of nervous, kind of excited. I don't know what's happening, but my hopes are high. And I'm sitting in the passenger seat, and, and then uh, the car stops. I, I step out of the car, and she grabs my hand. She pulls me. We're walking. And then she goes, okay, you can take off the blindfold now. And I take off the blindfold, and I'm so confused because I'm standing at my front door. And I'm like, I don't understand. She's like, walk in. So I walk in and surprise, there was like 30 people there and it was a surprise 30th birthday party for me that I had no idea that she was throwing or doing. And it's crazy because I thought that we were going out for a celebration, but the celebration was actually a cover for what it really was, which was an invitation. 
I came to tell somebody today, (laughs) you came to church thinking that you were coming for a celebration, but you didn't just come for a celebration of Jesus's life. This is actually Jesus's invitation to come to life. Yeah. Yeah. And at my party, other people were laughing and other people were enjoying it and other people were smiling and other people were having a good time, not because of what happened in their life, but because of what happened in my life. And the invitation that you're getting ready to receive has nothing to do with where you were before you got here today. And everything to do, what we get to celebrate, honor, and invite you to today to come to life. Romans chapter 8, verse 11, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead. Celebration, amen, but that's not the ending of the verse. Look how it ends. That same spirit lives in you. In other words, in other words, it's not about just what happened to him, but what can happen in you and in me and in us. I like how the message version put it, Romans 8, 11, when God lives and breathes in you, and he does, as surely as he did in Jesus, you are delivered from that, say these words with me, dead life. This is the second half of the reframing of Easter. The resurrection isn't just for some day at the end of your life when you die, but today for anyone who is living a dead life. Today. I put it like this, Easter is not just a celebration of Jesus' life after death, it's an invitation to life before death. Life before death. Life before death. And honestly, I think that's harder to believe than the other thing. Is it hard to believe that Jesus came out of the grave? Yeah, that's, that's hard. That's, that, that's kind of hard. But you know what's harder to believe? Not that Jesus came out of the grave, but that I can come out of my depression. And not in heaven, when everything is peaceful and great and beautiful, but that through Jesus, I can come out of that here while I'm alive. That's really hard to believe. Is it hard to believe that, that the beating and the betrayal and the bleeding couldn't kill Jesus? That's hard to believe. But you know what's harder to believe? That through Jesus, the beating, the bleeding, and the betrayal won't kill me. That's harder to believe. Is it hard to believe that Jesus is still alive? Maybe, kind of, I guess. But that really has no implication on my everyday life. So so I don't know. Not really, maybe. I don't know. But you know what is hard to believe? That through Jesus, no matter my mistake, the size of it, that my life's not over. That is hard to believe, which is a problem because the precipice of all of this life John eleven twenty five. 25, the catch to receive this resurrection life, this good life that God has for you, a life full of joy and deliverance and freedom. Look what the catch is. Look, John eleven twenty five. 25, I am the resurrection and the life. Amen. There's life in resurrection today. But here's the catch, verse 25, but the one who believes in me will live even though they die. So what is the catch in order to receive? You got to believe. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And here's the question that's being posed to you and to I tonight. Do you believe this? And the honest answer, if we're being honest, we look at that question and we go, maybe? I mean, I want to, but believing's hard, isn't it? It only sounds easy on the surface, but anybody who's ever tried believing knows that it's hard. Like, I want to believe that the Orlando Magic are going to be good next year. Like, I really want to believe that. Somebody's like, well, they're in the lottery this year. They're in the lottery every year, bro. And it's, it's not working. It's hard to believe. And everybody's like, this is the season. This is the season. This is the season. I don't know, man. 
And I think it's kind of like that in life too. A lot of people are like, this is the season I'm going to lose weight. This is the season. I know you want to believe that, but that's hard to believe, isn't it? Because you still really like food. And, and the numbers on the scale are going the opposite direction. <laughs> so this is the season I, I, I get out of debt. Amen. Yeah, amen. But you keep buying a lot of stuff, so probably not. This is the season I get married, but that's also hard to believe because I'm not even dating anybody right now, and I'm pretty sure you got to get <laughs> dating before you get married in some countries, um, and so <laughs> that's hard to believe. This is the season that my marriage gets restored. That's hard to believe if your, your husband can't even have a conversation right now without wanting to kill each other. It's hard to believe. This is the season I believe I'm going to go three months without having a heart palpitations or an anxiety attack. Believing sounds easy, but anyone who's ever tried it knows that it's hard. It's hard. And then when you add years of failed belief on top of years of failed belief on top of years of failed belief, believing doesn't just become hard, it becomes exhausting. And tiring and depressing because it's hard to believe. The title of my message today is Hard to Believe. Hard to Believe. If it's hard for you to believe that Jesus Christ came back to life, if it's hard to believe that that same Jesus can change your life today and you'll never be the same again after tonight, if that's hard for you to believe, let me encourage you, even the people who were closest to Jesus had a difficult time believing that Jesus did what he did. John chapter 20, verse 1 through 2. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. Now, now, now we have to understand this. Surely, Mary is going to tell the disciples, he did it, Jesus paid it all. Like he came back to life, guys. This is awesome. This is exciting. After all, the third day is mentioned 21 times in the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John where the gospel is recorded. Like you need to know that the resurrection should not have been a surprise to his disciples. Jesus called his shot. You know what I'm saying? He said, backboard, you know, and he made it. <laughs> Nothing but net, and he made it. He said he was going to do it, and he did it. So surely, this is what Mary is going to come to the disciples with the news. Hey, everything Jesus said, he was legit. He was the real deal. Nope. Look how she responds. Verse 2. She said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have put him. Why would she not believe the best, and why would she automatically assume the worst? Because I'm going to tell you what our nature is as human beings. Listen, it's hard to believe, but it's easy to assume. Isn't it though? Hard to believe, but it's easy to assume. Mary is shouting, crying. There's exclamation marks next to her words. In order to understand Mary's hysteria, you have to first understand Mary's history. The Bible talks about Mary in the New Testament more than any other woman in the entire New Testament. And we don't have a lot of information about Mary. We don't know what she did for a living. Some people believe she was a prostitute. Other people believe that she was, you know, just a, just a bad person. Or Here's the only thing that we know about Mary for sure, that Jesus casted seven demons out of her person. That's the only thing we know about Mary. Now, maybe you're here tonight and maybe you believe or don't believe in demons. That's okay. I think we can all agree this was a woman who had not just been through a lot but was carrying a lot. She was carrying 
a lot. And maybe that's a point that we can relate to her story because she was going through things and not just once, not just twice, not just three times, but seven times she was going through things. The number seven is very symbolic because there's seven days in a week. So it's symbolic of a cycle. In other words, this is not just Mary's pain. This is Mary's pattern that she's going through, a pattern of pain, a pattern of hurt. And listen, at some point, the experience of being hurt evolves into the expectation of getting hurt. Isn't it true? You get hurt enough, it's no longer a surprise when you do. You step into every relationship with the expectation that you're just going to get hurt. Which is why when Mary saw the abandoned tomb, she could not see what Jesus had done for her. She saw what the last guy did to her. He must have just left me like the last guy left me. Jesus just broke a promise like the last guy broke a promise. We all have our demons, amen? They follow us to work. They follow us home. They follow us to school. They remind us of our failures. They try to trap us in our trauma. They tell us that nothing will ever be different and then we will never change. We all have our demons. I'd like to introduce you to my demons tonight, if I may. Uh, These are my demons These are my, peeps are my demons. Raise your hand if you like peeps. We'll lay hands on you at the end of the service, trying spirit to peep out you. There's a reason why I don't like peeps. Many moons ago, on an Easter Sunday, my parents left me unattended with boxes and boxes of peeps. I thought I shouldn't but I shall. And I began to devour box after box after box after box after box, probably 10 years old, after box of peeps, just downing them, just eat as much as I, what stopped me was that there were no more peeps. Can't tell you how many I ate, but I ate a lot. And then almost at the last, and my stomach was telling me, JJ, stop. I said, no, stomach. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity. (laughs) Take advantage. You don't know when you'll ever have this moment again. I ate so many peeps that day, I got incredibly sick. That night, (sighs) let's just say that Resurrection Sunday took on a whole new meaning. (laughs) Because them peeps came back to life. The peeps came back. My esophagus was rolled away, and those, pe- and those peeps came back to life. I spent the night throwing up, technicolor throw up. And believe it or not, true story, to this day, I can't look at peeps and not get nauseous. As I look at the peeps right now, I'm, I'm literally, I'm fighting the nausea right now. Maybe adrenaline's high, so it's a little numb right now, but... I can't look at them and not get nauseous. It's crazy how something that happened to me 25 years ago has affected every day of my life since then. Huh? Oh, you silly, Pat. You're talking about peeps. I got bigger problems than peeps. I know, but what's your peep? (laughs) But what's your peep? Maybe your peep isn't a peep. Maybe your peep is a person. Maybe, Maybe 25 years ago, somebody named Brian hurt you. And, and Brian hurt you, and they broke your heart, and now that Brian hurt you, you can't even be friends with Ryan. Because you, every time you see Ryan, you, you, you think of Brian. 
and Brian be lying, has you crying, and say, you ain't trying to be friends with Ryan. (laughs) This is what I do in sermon prep. You ain't even trying. Because the pain of, it would be nice if you could start a relationship with someone without the baggage of the assumptions of the last broken one. But you can't. I remember when we first got married, I left a shoe on the floor in my house. What was that for? (laughs) Pastor Liz came up to me. She said, what's this? I said, "Uh, a shoe. She said, yes, but what is it doing on the floor? I said, well, I just took it off because I just came home from church and I'm just trying to relax and it's going to just, I was going to pick it up. I promise I was going to pick it up. She said, no, no, you know, when you take off your, when you get home, you take off your shoes and you put your shoes in the closet where they belong. Because first it's the shoes, then it's the pants, then it's the tie, then it's the socks, then it's the shirt. And you got a whole laundry basket and I am not your maid. <laughs> I told her, I told her two things. I said, yes. And then the second thing I said was, but who hurt you? <laughs> who hurt you? She said, no, you don't understand. My dad, when I was growing up, he would leave his socks all over the place and his shoes all over. And I saw you, but I thought of my dad. The assumptions, right? Maybe it's not, maybe it, your peep isn't a person, maybe it's porn. Yeah, yeah, we're that kind of church. We talk about things that we, we go through. Maybe it, you've been dealing with it since you were 12 years old and now you're 42 years old and it's hard to believe that you can be free. It's easier to assume that what has always been will always be. Maybe it's not porn. Maybe it's a, a pill. Maybe you started off taking the pills because you were in pain and you really couldn't function at your job unless you took the pill. But now you can't even go to sleep without the pills. You can't wake up well without the pills. You can't get, and now you're so attached, so addicted, so dependent. It's hard to believe that you can never live a life without the medication. It's easier to assume that it will always be what it has always been. Maybe it's not a, a person or a porn or a pill. Maybe it's a place. Yeah. Like church. Like like I, I, a lot for some, there's someone in this room that you haven't been to church in years and that's okay. We didn't like, we don't, I know that, but we don't know who you are. We're not going to like tag your car or something like that. Or, <laughs> but it's been a good, it's for good reason why you haven't been in years. Cause the last time you went to church, you got hurt. Somebody betrayed you. Somebody talked bad about you. A pastor abused you. And I'm sorry that that happened, but now look what happened. Now all churches just want your money. Now, now, now all pastors are liars. Now all Christians are hypocrites because you had a bad one. The assumption, and that's hard to believe the journey church could be any different. What if I were to tell you, I don't really think it's church you have a problem with. For example, I cannot eat peeps. I'm going to have to wash my hands after this service because I don't even like touching the peeps. But you know, I have no problem eating. I got no problem eating marshmallows. I will eat marshmallows all day. Maybe not all day because I learned my lesson with the peeps, but I, I can go throw down. I can throw down. I can eat marshmallows. I like marshmallows, which makes no sense. <laughs> Let me just give you the ingredients of peeps in case you didn't know. 
Marshmallows. <laughs> Peeps are just marshmallows. Because it's not the marshmallow I have a problem with. It's the memory. Which why the first step to believing is releasing. <laughs> it's good. You, it isn't until... It isn't until you release the hurt from your last friendship that you can begin to believe in friendship again. It isn't until you release the hurt from your divorce that you can begin to believe in marriage again. It isn't until you release your anger towards God for whatever happened in your life that you can begin to believe in kindness again. You've got to release first so that you can believe. It isn't until you release your past, the fear of your past coming back to haunt you, that you can believe in the hope for your future. You got to release so that you can believe. But how? How can I really? Am I just supposed to forget it ever happened? Am I supposed to forget that person ever did that to me? Am I supposed to forget that because I can't forget? How do you do it? I'm glad you asked. Because no, it's impossible to forget. We're not God. God forgets. We can't forget. But there's something you can do that can help you release I'm going to go back to the marshmallow to prove my point. You know, when I see marshmallows, I don't see peeps. When I see marshmallows, you know what I think of? I think of my dad was a camper. And we didn't have many forests in Brooklyn, New York. <laughs> the only ones where you couldn't touch them. They were illegal to touch them because they were so rare. <laughs> Some people in your state, endangered species are like ostriches. And well, maybe not in America, but <laughs> in New York, the endangered species are trees. Anyway, so... We went to a park. We would go to a park uh, up north in Pennsylvania. We would have campfires, and we would do the s'mores. And we would roast the marshmallows. And now I do that with my kids. What I'm trying to tell you is I created a memory that is greater than the memory. So when I see that, I don't think that. I think this. <sighs> this is why Jesus had to carry his cross before he could roll the stone. Because before he could prepare your future, he had to deal with your past. When he died on the cross, he took not just every mistake you ever made, but he took every mistake that everyone made against you. Anytime someone ever hurt you, every time someone ever betrayed you, that was what he was being whipped for. That was what he was being hit for. And now, listen, in the same way that when I see the marshmallow, I don't see the marshmallow, I see my dad. When God sees you, he doesn't see your sin, he sees his son. On Good Friday, there was a memory in God's mind that was created that is now greater than every other memory that you can ever have in your life. I came to tell you that tonight you're about to make a memory that is going to outweigh the pain of every other memory. A memory of mercy that's about to outweigh your mess. A memory of forgiveness that's about to outweigh your fear. A memory of glory that's about to outweigh your shame. When you give your life to Jesus... That memory overrides. I'm saying if God could let it go, maybe we can too. Maybe we can put it behind us as well. John chapter 20, verse 11 through 13. Let's make a memory tonight. May the memory of tonight outweigh what that person did to you back then. John 20, verse 11 through 13. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she stooped and looked into the tomb. She saw two white robed Angels, wow, 
one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. And the angels said to her, dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her, let's stay right here on this slide for a second. Guys, these are angels. And by the way, before you think that they were angels, but they were people disguised as angels, or angels disguised as people, no. In other gospel accounts, the writer says that they shun like lightning. So these are legitimately like glow-in-the-dark people. <laughs> Mary looks in at people who are glowing. Angels, clearly angels. Surely at this point, she's going to believe. I mean, if an angel spoke to me, showed up to me, I'm going to believe whatever he says. Unless he tells me the magic is going to be good next season. Then I'm not going to believe him. <laughs> I'm going to let go of the magic. If there's any magic players at church, I'm sorry. But you know better than the rest of us. <laughs> so let's see Mary's response. Surely she believes. Verse 13. They have taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they have put him. She is dead set on this. Somebody stole Jesus' body thing. <laughs> my, my question is, that's your response? We're not going to talk about these angels? <laughs> No mention of like, hey, man, you're glowing. What's up with that? <laughs> no, no, no. Why? Because as humans, here's our other tendency that we have. Listen, it's hard to believe, but it's easy to ignore. People say all the time, I can't believe until I see it. JJ, I'll never believe in God until I see God. JJ, I'll never believe in Jesus until I see Jesus. I never believe in miracles until I see one. I can't believe it if I don't see it. But here's my question to you. Mary's looking at it. And she still can't believe it. So what's up with that? I'm going to show you pictures of three animals. One of these animals is fake. They're not real. One of these animals is a make-believe animal. And I want you to tell me which animal is make-believe. Okay? All right. Animal number one. This is called a deer mouse. A deer mouse. Please hold your guesses until the end. Okay. <laughs> Second picture. Second picture. This is an English Angora rabbit, I believe. Or maybe I made that up. You don't know. Third, this is a blob fish. Blob fish. All right, let's take it off the screen before we have nightmares. Raise your hand if you think one, the first animal's fake. Deer mouse is fake. Hand down. Raise your hand if you think the rabbit is fake. The rabbit is fake. Raise your hand if you think the blobfish is fake. The blobfish is fake. I thought more people would have voted for the blobfish because that's pretty. Here's the answer. Are you ready? They're all real. They're all real. Hear me. But you thought one of them was fake. Even though you saw it with your own eyes, you thought one was fake. Why? Because I told you one was fake. I wrote it like this. The only thing more convincing than our eyes are our lies. You saw it and you couldn't believe it because I lied to you in advance. So if you decide that something is not true in advance, even when you see it, you won't be able to believe it. So when you decide in advance that you are not worthy of love, then it doesn't matter how much your husband loves you. 
you'll never see it. You'll ignore every kiss. You'll ignore every hug. You'll ignore every encouraging word. You'll ignore every, every flower. You'll ignore every chocolate. You'll ignore every chore. You'll ignore every prayer you, because you, didn't, you decided in advance, it's not real. I can't be loved because of the things that I've done. So you, you can't see it. If you decide in advance that you're a failure, no amount of success is going to, is going to ever convince you that you're not. You won't be able to see your success. When you look in the mirror, all you're going to see is an imposter. You're going to ignore the trophies. You're going to ignore the pay raise. You're going to ignore all the good things that are happening in your life because you know who you really are. They don't really know me. If they really knew me, no, I'm a failure. I'm not a success. This affects our relationship with God. Some people say, well, if I was at the resurrection, that's when I would believe it. Depends. Did you decide in advance that God was not real? Because I have a feeling that even if, if you bumped into the resurrected Jesus, if you had decided in advance that he was not Jesus, there is nothing resurrected Jesus could have done to convince you that he was. He would have been like, I'm Jesus. And you'd be like, you look like Jesus. And then you would have been like, put, put, the, put your finger in the holes in my hand. You'd have been like, prosthetics, Photoshop, you know, like... Why? Because when you decide in advance, it doesn't matter what you see. This affects your relationship with God. If you decide in advance that God hates you, then you'll walk away from the car accident thinking, this is so God. This is all he does. Punishes me and he hates me and he punishes me with all of these. And I got to spend all this money on repairing the car. And you will totally ignore the fact that you walked away from your car accident. If you believe that God has forgotten you, then when you have the miscarriage, all you'll be able to see is the child that he took away and you'll completely ignore the spouse that he gave. You'll just ignore it because you don't see it. So then the question is not what do you see, but what do you believe? What do you believe? My son Zane believes that there's a monster in his closet. And there is nothing I can do to convince him that there's not one. I have opened the closets. I have emptied the closets. At first, it was a stuffed animal. I killed the stuffed animal. <laughs> Gave him away to another kid at church. I said, this one's haunted. Go ahead and take this one. <laughs> you can have this one. And I couldn't fight what it was that he couldn't see because I couldn't see it. So instead, I decided to fight what he can't see with what he can't see. I said, buddy, let me read a story in the Bible to you. It's in First uh, Kings, Second Kings, chapter 6, verse 15 through 16. It's a story of a man named Elisha, a prophet and, some, and his servant and an army that's coming against them. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. I love what Elisha says, don't be afraid for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now, the servant can't see nothing. All he sees are the enemy's armies. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may, what? Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Listen to me. We don't believe what we see. We see what we believe. 
We see what we believe. And so don't wait to see God to believe in God. I want to encourage you to decide in advance that God is on your side and moving in your life. And if you can decide that tonight, you will leave here seeing all the ways that he has kept you, preserved you, guided you, led you, fed you. When you see different, when you believe different, you see different. When, 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 when David was standing up against Goliath, I don't know if you remember that story, but the people of Israel are fighting the, the Philistines, and there's a giant, his name is Goliath, and all the other people were afraid of the giant because he was so big and so massive, but David believed that God was on his side, and so he didn't see the giant the same way that everyone else saw the giant. The armies of Israel saw Goliath, and they said, he got some big four arms, David looked at the giant. He said, he got a big forehead. And if God is on my side, I don't think I can miss that sucker. He got a big head. Because where others see opposition, those who believe in God see opportunity. Because you see different. Because you believe different. When you believe different, you don't see the breakup. You, you see a blessing. Because you know that God is on your side and he only allows good things to come in your life. So even though the pain of the breakup is real and it hurts, you can look at that person and go, thank you, Lord, for saving me. You know something I don't know. I trust in you. I appreciate you. Thank you, Lord, for rescuing me from that. When you believe in God, you don't see closed doors. You see wrong doors. So that every door that closes, you go, ooh, thank you, Lord. That must not be the one then. I'm not trying to get into any space that is not for me. So if that doesn't open, that's not my door. If that doesn't open, that's not my opportunity. If that doesn't open, that's not my business. If that doesn't open, that's not the school that I'm supposed to go to. If that doesn't open, that's not the job I'm supposed to have. If that doesn't open, that's not the house that I'm supposed to buy. And when one door opens, you will thank God for every door he closed. In reverse. But you got to see it if you believe it. I, I, I think one thing interesting about that story is that in order to get his servant to see it, Elisha had to pray for him to see it. Now, what do you do when you pray? He said, Lord, open your eyes. Here's the message. Sometimes you have to close your eyes to open your eyes. There are certain things that only, can only be seen once you decide to set your faith on Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you today, right now, close your, this isn't the, the last prayer of the sermon, but you just close your eyes right now. And I just want to ask right now, God, I pray that you would give us the kind of faith to believe what we can't see. Because every time we open our eyes, we see the enemy trying to come after our family, trying to come after our finances, trying to come after our health, trying to come after our mental health, our peace, and our anxiety. We see the attacks on this nation and on other nations. We see the world crumbling in on itself. But Father, as we close our eyes, we ask that you would open our eyes so that we could see that you are still on the throne, that you still sit over the earth, that nothing happens without your say-so, that nothing happens without your okay, that you are protecting me and leading me and guiding me. Open my eyes, Lord. Open my eyes. You can open your eyes. And I hope when you open them now, you see the world in a different, when you decide to believe in advance, you can't help but see how God has had his hand on your life. You got to see it if you believe it. Finally, John 20 Verse 14 through 15, Mary is done. She turned to leave. Disappointment after disappointment. The name of this point was going to be, it's hard to believe, but it's easy to leave. Isn't it, isn't it though? Isn't it easy to just say this whole God thing is hard? 
This whole faith thing is hard. This whole Jesus thing is hard. This whole righteousness thing is hard. This whole mental health thing is hard. Hard to believe, easy, easy to leave, easy to decide that tonight should be the last day of your life. It's easy to decide that when the, when the darkness is so heavy and hope looks so far. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. Check it out, y'all. It was Jesus. And he found her at her worst. I believe he's finding somebody at their worst tonight. Right when you're about to leave. Right when you're about to walk out. It was Jesus. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her, who are you looking for? Now, don't go to the next verse. But come on now. Surely now. She's got to believe, right? I mean... The empty tomb wasn't enough evidence. The, the glowing men were not enough evidence. But now you're talking to him. So now you've got to believe. Mary, you've got to believe, right? Right? Verse 15. She thought he was the gardener. Is it hard to believe or is it hard to believe? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, she will not let go of this conspiracy theory. If you have taken him away, this is the third time she thinks somebody took him. Tell me where you put him so I can go and get him and just end this nightmare. All she wants to do is close the chapter on her pain. Have you been there? I just want to finish it. Let's just end this right now. Verse 16, Mary, Mary, Jesus said, she turns to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. I'm looking at this story, I'm reading it like if I'm reading it for the first time, and I'm like, that's what convinced you? Not the the however heavy that stone was rolled away not the glowing men that's not what convinced you what got you was a Mary that's what made you believe he was alive yeah why here's the good news because it's hard to believe but it's easy to receive in this story in this moment at the culmination the climax of this story, we find that what really convinces people is not an argument. It's not a sermon. It's not a light show. It's not even the supernatural because she had experienced the supernatural when she encountered the angels. No. What convinces you that Jesus is alive is an encounter with the living Jesus. You know, I, I can say this with pride, and I say this excitingly, we are a church where we have seen many atheists give their lives to Christ. I, I meet them often in the lobby, and every time I meet them in the lobby, they always tell me, I ask them, I said, what was it that changed your mind about God? And none of them say the preaching. Not one well, I really had some doubts, but when you put the logic of verse 6 with the logic of verse 7, it clicked for me. Jesus must be alive. And to be honest, I'm not even offended 
I'm glad because if an argument can change your mind, another argument can change it again. I'm glad. But you know what they always tell me? They describe it the same way. It's bizarre. They go, something in that room now they don't have the Christian vocabulary to explain it but if you know Jesus you know what they were trying to describe was the presence of God the unfailing love of our Savior you know I I don't know shame admitting this I'm a bit of a doubter in my younger years I was a heavy doubter I have a major in political science and religion. The reason why I studied religion was because my faith in Christianity was waning. So I spent two years at UF, go Gators, studying Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, Taoism, agnosticism, atheism, just to figure out if what I believed was real. And at the end of my two-year journey, I came back to Jesus for two reasons. One no other religion in the world that I could that I studied had an answer for sin which I didn't know a lot about God at least I felt I didn't know but I, I knew for one thing for sure I'm not a good person I make mistakes I've made bad choices and no religion in the world had an answer for the choices that I made or the people that I hurt we like to talk a lot about the people who hurt us but if we looked in the mirror for just one second isn't there a train of people that we've hurt that we've betrayed that we've lied to that we've backstabbed that we've put to the side that we've overlooked Christianity was the only one that said you are not good enough to get to heaven so heaven had to come to you the only one the second thing that I could not get over and I hope this makes sense when I say it I, I try and make this accessible as much as accessible as I can if you've never been in church before but the other thing I could not get over y'all I met him anybody get there when like the doubt gets heavy and the questions pile up but then you sit down for just a second and you go yeah but maybe it was 12 when you were at a youth camp or maybe it was a car accident that you survived or a song that got played on the radio one day a Christian song you go he flooded the car you go it's hard to believe but I I met him and I can't go back now after I met him I, I know he's real I was on my couch a couple weeks ago outside of my porch having one of those moments again and I opened my Bible to Psalms 94 it encouraged me I thought it would encourage you I was wrestling with my doubt once again oh you're a pastor of a church you should have all that figured out by now I don't I hope that either scares you or it's like this is my church and one or the other <laughs> I opened up the Psalms 94, and this is what I read. Put it on the screen. I cried out, I am slipping. I felt like that. My faith is slipping. But your unfailing love, O oh Lord, supported me. Your love, you see, it's the encounter. It's that Jason, that John, that Christina, that Sarah, that Trevor, that Liza, that Liz, that JJ, that supported me when doubts filled my mind your comfort gave me renewed hope and cheer if you've never grown up in church before I've got good news to you this whole hard to believe thing it's about to go from hard to believe to hard to fight 
And I, I'm sorry to put you in that position, but you can already feel it. It was hard to believe 75 minutes before service started, but you are sitting in this chair right now and there is a living God whose love is absolutely piercing the bitterness and absolutely piercing the doubt and absolutely piercing the agnosticism and the atheism and the fear and the loneliness and and the best you can do if you want to make it out here the way you came in the best thing you can do is fight it or you can do the easy thing and receive it and receive it other people you grew up in church you cannot remember a time in your life when you did not believe in Jesus. That's just you've always been your whole life. Well, let me be really clear. If you grew up in church, this is for you too because believing isn't faith in something. It is faith on someone. And there's a difference between believing in and believing on. Big difference. A man named Charles Blunden, who's a tightrope walker in the 1800s, walked a tightrope across Niagara Falls. The only problem is once you walk across Niagara Falls, nobody wants to see you do it again. So he had to make it more dangerous. So he did it in a wheelbarrow. He did it on stilts. He did it on a potato sack. One day he goes, I got it. This is gonna be it's my greatest one. He goes, there was hundreds of people watching him. He goes, all right, for my next act, how many people believe I can walk across Niagara Falls on a tightrope with someone standing on my shoulders? Everybody said, yeah, we believe. He said, awesome. I need a volunteer. (laughs) And now one person raised their hand because it's easy to believe in, but it's hard to believe on. And you've been a Christian in and out. You kind of believe in Jesus. Yeah, he died. But you still haven't put your weight on him, your lifestyle on him. Your, your mind on Him, your behavior on Him, your trust in Him. And I want to invite you to do that today. In the seat in front of you, one of these cards, will everybody do me the favor, even if you don't plan on filling it out, will you grab it? If you're in the front, you're sitting on it. If you're in the seats, it's, it's in the seat in front of you or, or behind you, but it's probably in front of you. Just grab it for me. You don't even, just hold it up. You don't even got to fill it out if you don't want to. Just hold it for me. And when we do come to fill it out, listen, you can even just pretend. Just move your hand like this and it'll be cool. I won't hold it against you. I just want to give every single person online, there'll be a QR code online. There's also a QR code here if you want to fill it out digitally. Listen to me. If I can get your eyes for just one second once you've got that card, everybody grab it. I just want to give everyone in this room an opportunity to put their faith on Jesus tonight. So, that's what these cards are for. If you look at it, there's four options. You're going to put your name, email, if you feel comfortable, as much information as you feel comfortable. You can put this in the buckets on your way out, or you can scan that QR code. You can fill it out on your phone. Either way, we're going to give you about two minutes to do that. And there are four options I want you to consider today. A, Option A, I'm already in a real relationship with Jesus. Amen. We want to know who we're talking to and who we're preaching to on Sundays so that I know what sermons to prepare. I want to know that if that's you. Even if you've been a member of this church for a long time, fill that out. B, look at me. I'm believing on Jesus today. Not in, not on. It's been years since you've had a relationship with Christ or you've never had one before. This is for you. This is when you let us know I'm making the decision today. I'm going to believe in advance and I'm going to see God move. See, and this is just honest, 
I'd like to consider it more, a bit more first. I'm not ready right now, but, and if that's you and you check C, let me just encourage you, this is the church for you. We're gonna give you Sunday after Sunday. Never, never gonna be pressured, it's never gonna be forced, but we wanna walk with you through your uncertainty and walk with you through your questions and walk with you through your doubt until that C becomes a B one day, God willing. So you check that C and you're fine if that's you. Give it some time. God will grab a hold of your heart. And D's a little scary, but we wanted to put it on there because we wanted everybody to be able to identify. And D, I don't ever intend on making that decision. And that's okay too. You know why I want you to fill that out? Because I'm gonna declare it right now. At next Easter, we're gonna get a card on it. It's gonna be check B. And on the bottom where it says little confidential, it's gonna say, last year I was a D. And God did something in my life. Over the course of 365 days, he become me. I believe that. It might be hard for you to believe in God, but it's easy for God to believe in you. He still does. You don't gotta believe in him for him to believe in you. Would you do me that favor? As I'm praying, would you be so kind as to fill out that card? I'm asking everyone to do it. Staff, everyone, if you'd be so kind, fill out that card for me. And I'm gonna pray for you. Father, we love you and we thank you. There is absolutely no one like you in the entire world. You are good and you are gracious. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would begin to speak to our hearts today. That your Holy Spirit would begin to pierce. There are people who are thinking about making that decision, checking that B. There are people who are praying about making that B decision. I, I pray that you would catch their hearts, Lord. I want to put my faith on Jesus today. For the C's, I pray that you would continue to work in their hearts. For the D's, we're not giving up on them. We're going to keep praying for them. We believe that you're going to do something special in their life at the right time. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. Amen. Give it up for all those who made decisions for Christ today. Would you stand on your feet as we close out in worship? Come on, let's declare it. Resurrection power over my life. Come on, everything that you felt died in your life, God says is coming back. Come on, the dead will live. The dead will live. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.